Should it be illegal for a mother to smoke methamphetamines while pregnant or even smoke a cigarette? We take a look at a recent viral clip that was on a podcast with none other than Tim Pool. And also, we take a look at the show Seinfeld and the hypocrisy of the character Elaine Bettis when it comes to this same issue of babies in the womb. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at some, I guess I could say, hypocritical sets of beliefs, or as some might call it, cognitive dissonance when it comes to certain issues uh, pertaining to babies in the womb. But before we get into that, we would love, if you feel so led, to subscribe to the channel of Good Fight Ministries. Click on that bell to get notifications when we come out with videos. We try to come out with multiple at least three videos a week for you guys to hopefully feed uh, believers and also bring those who have not yet come to the knowledge of the truth to come know Jesus. And if you're listening to this via podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review if you feel so led. That is simply just because we want to make sure as many people get to hear this as possible. So today, as mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be talking about some hypocritical beliefs held by not only fiction, but also, well, there's still a lot of fiction in their beliefs, but also real people in real life sharing uh, their thoughts on different issues. And this not only stems from a recent Tim Pool podcast, Uh, Tim Pool, if you don't know, has over a million subscribers on his YouTube channel. He has a very, very popular show. He talks about the culture war, the Tim cast, all this stuff. And uh, he brings people on that he agrees with, he disagrees with. Uh, it's a very interesting show. And we're going to talk about uh, some of his beliefs and some of the discussion that actually happened in the recent show that he did with Lance from the Surfs. But before we get into that, I also was thinking specifically because of the hypocrisy that was shown by Lance from the Surfs and how people really don't understand when they actually take their point of view, their beliefs, the things that they are espousing back to their logical conclusion that ultimately they don't even know what they're arguing. And a lot of times what they're arguing is contradictory to something else that they've held as a very strong core belief. And that's exactly what I noticed as I'm going to tell you guys this. Uh, before I was saved, I was an extreme fan of the show Seinfeld. I have seen every episode of Seinfeld, and I know most episodes, sadly enough, off the top of my head. It is one of those things uh, between that and different sports references that I prayed for the Lord to take those things out of my mind so that more scripture can be filled in in the brain so that I can meditate on God's word day and night and not sit at the seat of scoffers. But when I did come to Christ, one of the things I remembered was that there were these two contradictory positions that took place when we put two different episodes together. And the first one I was going to talk about is something that Elaine does alongside George. Now, they go in this episode, it's actually from season number three, and it is episode 15. And in this episode, they actually go for George to see a psychic. Martin's spirit came to you as a warning. Why would he come to George? Because George has heightened extrasensory perception. Obviously, this is not a biblical show or anything like that, 
But they go to see this psychic. But what happens is George brings alongside him Elaine. And when the psychic tells him about something that's going to take place, he's worried that it might be lupus. He's wondering what's going to go happen. What, what is going on? She was just about to tell me. Elaine actually starts asking the woman who is pregnant, this psychic who is pregnant, why on earth she would be smoking a cigarette uh, while being pregnant. Should you be smoking? Does it bother you? You're pregnant. Elaine. I smoked when I had Faithy. Because of with all the prenatal care and the things that we know now, how on earth could you do that to the baby and hurt the baby so much? It gets so heated and Elaine cannot help herself that she starts getting mad at her. She gets mad at her and they kick them both out without giving George the answer. He's so dearly needed. What is going to happen? Now, George was not going to be getting any good answers and you should not be going to psychics. It's demonic. Uh, We should not dread what man has, but let's make sure our dread is in the Lord and we don't go to things that meep and mutter, but we go to the written word of God and we trust in him. But nonetheless, that's what took place. Elaine seems to be sticking up for the baby in the womb. But there was another episode, and in this episode, Jerry Seinfeld, who that's who this show is about, most of it, Jerry goes to a character by the name of Poppy. Now, this is somebody who uh, eventually has sat on Jerry's uh, brand new couch and even urinated on it, and Jerry kind of suffers through uh, different occasions with Poppy and doesn't like him all that much. And in this case, everyone's telling him how they have to try Poppy's new restaurant. They have to try his food. They're so excited. And so he takes Elaine finally. And it's all prepared. The food is about to come out. And then in this scene, which you will see, he starts to bring up a subject that Elaine says that she would not support this restaurant uh, that he mentions because they give to pro-life campaigns. And then Jerry, to get out of having to eat at Poppy's restaurant, then brings up the topic of abortion to Poppy to see where he stands. And this is what happens. I'm really looking forward to this duck. I've never had food ordered in advance before. I could have stayed home and ordered a pizza from Pequinos. You should never order pizza from Pequinos. Why not? The owner contributes a lot of money to those fanatical anti-abortion groups. You won't eat the pizza? Mm-mm, no way. Really? Yeah. Well, what if uh, Poppy felt the same way? I guess I wouldn't eat here then. Really? Yeah. Well, perhaps we should inquire. Oh, Poppy, where do you stand on the abortion issue? My mother was adopted by the communist. She was with a child, but the communist put an end to that. So when this issue, there's no debate. No intelligent person can think different. <laughs> and what gives you the right to do that? The Supreme Court. Let's go, Jerry. Come on. Let's go, Henry. We just got here. I'm with you, Poppy. And I am not coming back. You're not a welcome. So in one hand, in one episode, she wants to save that baby from the harm that may have of decisions made by the mother. And then on the other episode, she won't even eat somewhere where someone is pro-life. It is quite interesting because she's upset because the baby may be harmed But in a hundred percent of the abortions that take place, the baby is always harmed and it's always premeditated to kill the baby in the womb. The very baby that the word of God is very clear that God is the one who knits the baby together in its mother's womb. 
And we are we know that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. We know that when it comes to reality, the word of God over and over again, God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. He is the one who determines what is life, and he has determined that there is life in the womb. In fact, something I think about all the time is the fact that John the Baptist was in the womb and was the first person to recognize Jesus as Lord. Funny enough, he was the first one to recognize Jesus while he was in the womb. And in fact, when people were committing such horrible, horrific acts in Jeremiah and they were sacrificing their child to Baal, one of the things that it says is not only that that such a sacrifice would never even enter into the mind of God, but it actually talks about them as being innocent, that the babies are actually innocent and they are doing something very wicked because they are doing something in killing, ending the life of a child by way of sacrifice, and it's still a sacrifice today, no matter what you want to say, whether it's you're sacrificing this baby in order to make sure that you can have more fun with your friends, and I only say that because I know someone from when I was in high school who someone convinced her you should get an abortion because guess what? We're going to miss out on a really fun summer right after high school. And uh, just at the altar of convenience, at the altar of money, whatever it may be, and it is a heartbreaking thing. But so many people see the baby in the womb and want to restrict mothers from doing a lot of different harms to the baby. But when it comes to ending their life, they want to call that a right. And this recently took place on a Tim Pool cast. And on this podcast with Tim Pool, it was quite interesting. You see Lance from the Turfs. And if you guys are from the Surfs and uh, mixing up there, the the Young Turks and (laughs) the Surfs, but... They're pretty much on the same ball club there. And the Surfs, it's a democratic socialist Canadian channel that's run by not only Lance, but also a guy named Dave. And it focuses on socialist economics, indigenous activism, dunking on right-wingers, and contemporary politics. But sadly enough, although there was a lot of discussion about a lot of different topics, whether it was gun control or whether the fact that He was showing that Tim Pool is actually very conservative, even though he doesn't want to uh, be conservative. There was this specific event that took place when they were having a discussion regarding abortion and regarding it being the right of the mother and so forth. And I want you to hear how this interaction went and how quickly it got a little uncomfortable for Lance. There's a child inside of her body. What about meth? Uh, Like, should she be allowed to do meth? Yeah. Uh, I think if someone is doing meth while they're pregnant, that it is completely acceptable for something like, uh, I don't know what the name of the service is in the United States. Child or, services? I guess child, like child services. would be, oh, yeah. oh, it's her body though. Yeah, it's her body. If she wants to do meth, what's the big deal? Uh, the big deal is that it's, she's intentionally trying to kill a child. Hold on there a minute. Yeah, and I see where we're going. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Now, if you watch that clip, and yes, I did watch this, and uh, I couldn't help but laugh, but you could literally see the the look of defeat. You could see the moment that he realized he's getting pressed. And guys, I want this as an encouragement, not just for you know uh, debating uh, abortion rights and so forth, because I believe that ultimately when it comes to salvation, when someone comes to Christ, that person now is being made new, and for in fact, their heart becomes new, a heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh, and 
God really does change that person from the inside out. And when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, someone then therefore doesn't want to kill little babies. And that is a huge thing. And we need to make sure that we understand that as believers, that even if you're involved and and guys, I've been on the streets outside begging outside of abortion mills for babies not to be murdered. We have done that ministry. We will continue to do that ministry. But our main focus is always, 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 always the gospel. Um, even saving the baby is secondary to the gospel, but that doesn't mean because it's secondary to the gospel that we don't do it. We beg and plead for them not to be killed, uh, because all that happens there is that the mother is turned into a mother murderer. And so alongside with those who they choose to pay or the government, uh, and sadly enough, taxpayers end up helping to pay for that baby to have the life ended in that mother's womb. But nonetheless, when you see this person actually have to convey what they believe and when a simple question, this is a very simple question that is asked, you can see how he goes, wait a second, the position that I'm holding that someone should not be able to use methamphetamines while they are in the womb, that position that I'm holding is because it is harming the baby against that baby's will because that baby is a person, which is really what he's actually getting at. Guess what? It's the same if you decide to take and kill that baby. And so you see this, and and it's so interesting to actually see somebody in live time and watch their eyes go, click, uh-oh, I'm in trouble because I don't really have any position to hold here. And that's the truth when it comes to this position. At some point, you have to get down to you are killing an innocent child. And the truth is, from talking with, and you guys, you can see stuff online, people who do that sort of ministry all over the country. A lot of times because of the place and time, I mean, ever since the silent scream came out, guys, we are well aware, not that women who have had babies in their womb, I've never talked to a woman who's had a baby in her womb that didn't know that was a child inside of that womb that was kicking, um, that that has, you know, heartbeat. I mean, it's just a sad and, and heartbreaking thing. And so you look at that, and you say to yourself, how has this nation, how have we come to a place where with more information, where we can absolutely positively know without a doubt that you are killing a human being, that they have gotten to a place where they can decide and they can look at it and say to themselves that, you know what, we still want that right of the mother over the right of the child. And it's a heartbreaking thing. And they can try to play the little game, um, you know, oh, it's it's not a baby, it's a fetus, which simply means small child. Um, it's just ridiculous. These are ridiculous arguments, but you can see how ridiculous they are. And guys, these are good avenues by which we can share the gospel. And I was just recently talking with someone who had just come to Christ. He was a non-believer for most of his life, and uh, he's a little older than me, and I was asking him, well, what was it? What was it that made you start seeking out? And he said, I saw all the crazy stuff going on in the world. I saw all these people doing this or doing that. And uh, he said, I couldn't help it. There has to be a God. Why are all these people going towards the same direction? And for me, that was the same exact case. When I watched uh, the video, they sold their souls to rock and roll. I could not get around the fact that even though some of these artists have never even met each other, they were born in different decades and so forth, never did music together or anything like that. They all had the same ideology that we're pushing, and it was the same ideology that I believed and that I was following as an atheist at the time. 
And I realized that synergy because it's spiritual. And the fact is, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. And guess what? In that same book, that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, The prince of the power of the air works through the sons of disobedience. Guess what? He is going to use those who do not know Christ to hinder people from coming to know Christ. It actually says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan, the God of this world, that he has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever, that they may, may may not behold the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to recognize that and say, wow, if that's happening, guess what? We can warn people, expose this wickedness for what it is. It's shameful we even have to speak of these things, but when it is exposed to the light, then Christ will arise and shine in people's hearts. And that's our goal here. And I say this leaning into who Tim Pool is, because a lot of people will look at this, and I want to encourage you, if you're someone who maybe you listen to the show because we have a viewpoint that that lends it to different worldview positions you hold to as well, but you're just not there yet in terms of your walk with Christ, there are a number of people there, but what I do not want you to do is to stay at an arm's distance from knowing the one true God and just having some positions that you see as conservative That's the last thing that this would ever, we would ever want anything at Good Fight Ministries to push is to simply push moral ethics that never bring you to Christ, that never bring you to the one who the very moral ethics that are actually true and right are because they are in his nature, the one who created you. We want to make sure you come to him. And there are so many people, there are so many groups, there are so many now conservative talking heads that keep God at an arm's distance, just call him whatever they want, and never come into a living, life-filled, abundant life-filled relationship into an epinosis, true knowledge of the one true God. And sadly enough for Tim Poole, that's exactly where he is. I'm sure even politically, I would not uh, align with everything he believes at all whatsoever. But he did talk on his show, and that's the thing that piques my interest. You know, whether it's the Joe Rogans or, you know, or the Tim Pools, it doesn't matter who it is, or the Jordan Petersons. When they discuss what they believe about the one true God or about God or whatever, about the afterlife, eternality, whatever it may be, if they discuss that, I want to see what they have to say because that is the thing I want to talk about because when we discuss those things, whether it's sharing the gospel with someone on the street that might listen to these guys or whether it's actually having the opportunity to share with them the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power to salvation, then guess what? Those are the things I want to focus on. So I want to play this clip. And in this interview— um, with Tim Pool interviewing Damian Eccles. If you don't know who Damian Eccles is, interesting to have this topic of conversation with him. He was one of the West Memphis Three, if you guys know. We'll probably have to do something um, in the future regarding Marilyn Manson, Johnny Depp, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder, and some of the guys who donated because this guy was a Crowley follower. But he gets asked by Tim Pool about his views on God. And one of the things he says he tries to do is deliberately cultivate a relationship to divinity, whatever that means. But one thing we've warned about is that when we look at the end times, you see a lot less atheism, but a lot of creature worship. And you see a lot of people um, that are into new age philosophy and occult. It seems like an occult explosion in the end times actually with some of the miraculous and so forth. So all that uh, as a side, it seems like Tim Pool has very similar beliefs. And I want you guys to hear this. It's something he talks about. And he also brings up a band, sadly enough, that I'm embarrassed to say that I have also seen live. So let's play the clip. I wouldn't describe myself as religious, but I would say that I believe in something greater and I believe in some kind of universal order or whatever you want to call it. I think there's something more to all this. And uh, 
There's a song, I love the pop culture references, you guys know that. There's, there's a song called Judith by the band A Perfect Circle. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it, but it's just so good. And it's uh, the singer, Maynard, is, is basically, his mom had a stroke and became paralyzed. So he writes this song about how even though he's the one who did this to you, you keep praising his name and you never stop to, ask, to, to question why. And I look at that, I'm almost like, it, it, it's, 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 he didn't understand. You know, when his mother was very religious, has a stroke, but keeps praying and, and believing in something. And I think that song is actually quite beautiful in the anger of a son who saw his mom hurt and doesn't understand why she would still have faith in Jesus. I'm not saying people should have faith in Jesus or anything like that. I just think the world is the way it is. It's this machine that churns and, and calculates. But there is some something divine that you can, I don't know if pray is the right word or, you know, meditate to as some, you know, more hippie type individuals, new age Ian types uh, might, might uh, Ian's my friend, he's very spiritual or whatever, or hippie might believe. But I, I think there's, there's a potential for intervention of some sort to save you from the circumstances that, you know. Now, there's a lot of stuff there that I, I really would love to break down. And some of them, as I mentioned, some of these things are keeping God at an arm's distance. There's some sort of creator, there's something there and I want to get into the very last thing he said. Before I do, I want to talk about the song that he mentioned on there. And it is interesting when I think about what Tim is saying there regarding this song, because he's basically saying when he looks at the song, he's seeing it from a vantage point that says, hey, I see the pain and the hurt. And yet, even in this song that you're talking about from a perfect circle, and by the way, if you guys don't know who Maynard is, which is the singer who he mentioned there, he was also the lead singer of the band Tool. We could get into some of their Crowleyan things, and it's interesting if you know uh, Lester Crowley, the, the the godfather really of modern day Satanism, and you understand that he did have a Christian upbringing actually, uh, and turned from it, and actually said that he actually believed the doctrines of the Plymouth Brethren, but he simply went over to Satan's side, and in his autobiography at that time, writing it at, towards the end of his life, said, "And to this hour, I can't tell why," but. We look at that and we see it and we hear him say that. And then you are listening to a song that he's mentioning in regards to religion, in regards to him saying, I still do believe there's a higher power. And he he mentions it and says that from the van his vantage point, he's seeing him pray, like singing this song, which, by the way, I'm going to read some of the lyrics, but I can only read so many because it is so blasphemous. And sadly enough, as I mentioned earlier in this, I, I have seen A Perfect Circle before I was saved in concert uh, I even had one of their albums as well that I owned. Um, not obviously not proud of that. Embarrassed by a lot of the blasphemous music choices that I had made before I knew the one true God. But I look at this and and I'm going to read some of these lyrics because what Tim is saying is he looks at that and doesn't see it as a good evidence that there's no creator. But I also want to warn that there can be a bait and switch where it seems good that there's a creator, but you're not actually giving him, according to Romans 1 as well, his honor that he is due. And so that is really dangerous as well. But I want to read some of these lyrics. You're such an inspiration for the ways that I'll never choose to be. Oh, so many ways for me to show you how your Savior has abandoned you. F your God, your Lord and your Christ. He did this, took all you had and left you this way. Still you pray. You never stray, never taste of the fruit. You never thought to question why. It's not like you killed someone. It's not like you drove a hateful spear into his side. Praise the one who left you broken down 
and paralyzed. He did it all for you. He did it all for you. Oh, so many ways for me to show you how your dogma has abandoned you. Pray to your Christ, to your God. Never taste of the fruit. Never stray. Never break. Never choke on a lie. Talk to Jesus Christ as if he knows the reasons why. He did it all for you. He did it all for you. He did it all for you. And when I see those lyrics, I do see somebody with pain. I do see someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and has actually spent a lot of his life and identity going against him. And sadly enough, as apparently the song has it, he looks at his mother paralyzed and thinking that Jesus isn't going to give her the answer. And one of the things that hurts my heart is that people's perspectives, that they do not realize, that they do not understand how vain this life is, how vapid, how quick, how much of a vapor that this life is, and simply to not be able to walk at some point in your life, while that sounds absolutely miserable and horrible, the truth is eternality, getting to be with God for all eternity will trump all this, all the pain. That's exactly what Paul said, that he wanted people to understand. He wanted to make it so clear that whatever trouble, whatever pain, whatever hurt that we are going through, it does not compare to the glories that await us for those who are in Christ. And what breaks my heart is that I see this from him, and it's almost like he's a miserable counselor, obviously a very miserable counselor to Job or even Job's wife. And the, and and you can see Satan working through this sort of song in such a way, in the same way, I believe, that Job's wife, because it's the same person whispering the same things, Satan, Satan using those of disobedience to try to hinder the children of God, to try to hinder people from loving God, to try to hinder people from knowing Christ, from trying to hinder people from coming to a true saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, And he does what? Just curse God and die. And that's what this entire song is about. The entire song could just be titled Job's Wife in a profane fashion, curse God and die. Why do you listen to your God? Not realizing that all comfort comes to him, no matter what the circumstance. And that was, by the way, the secret that Paul understood in Philippians chapter 4. That was the thing that he realized that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, that whether he abased or abound, whether he has much or has little, he can have it all in Christ because, as he mentioned earlier in the very first chapter of that same letter, to live is Christ, then to die is gain. If you know Christ, if you are in Christ, if you love Christ, then death cannot separate you from those who are in Christ Jesus. Death cannot separate us who are in Christ Jesus from our God. It cannot do it. And in that last bit, one of the things that Tim Pool mentions there, that there could be some divine intervention to save you. Like maybe if you meditate or, or cry out to this. The truth is, without a doubt, there is divine intervention to save you. But the priority, not of this life, to do the thing that Jesus said, if you give up this life, you will live. But if you try to save this life, you will die. If this is the only life that we have, 
You can't think of Jesus as some wonderful teacher because he promised of an afterlife. He told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the the man Lazarus who sat there waiting for the crumbs to fall off the table. And when they would fall off the table, he would eat from the crumbs of the rich man. And then his sores would be licked up by a dog. And he's the one who ends up in paradise. And yet the rich man is in agony. But if all of this, if this mindset of this world is all that matters, you have one life to live, if this is everything, then that parable means nothing. And I don't even believe that Lazarus and the rich man is a parable personally. But nonetheless, don't want to get into that theological debate. The truth is, is when I look at that, all the stories about Jesus, about laying up for yourself treasures in heaven and not on earth, those things do not matter unless there's an afterlife. And the most beautiful thing, and I will hearken this on every episode that we ever have for 511 News or Good Fight Ministries or anything we ever do, is the fact that we can know that everything Jesus said about the afterlife, that all of it is true because he's the only one who said, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. He's the only one who walked on water before many witnesses, the only one to spend 40 days and 40 nights giving them many convincing proofs that he even went to Doubting Thomas and said, touch my wounds to see that I am flesh and blood, and that he can do all of these things, all of these things, not in some cave hidden from everybody else, not in some simple weird story told by a salamander in a bucket, but that we can have the written word of people that sealed this very testimony with their blood. And we can know without a doubt that it's true so that when we come to him, not only does it create us new, it's not just meditating and hoping that we can have salvation one day, but we have salvation in Christ. We put our full trust in him. He has to tell us, I paid for your sins in full, bought and paid for, if you trust Jesus Christ. And on the day of judgment, he will not see you. He will see paid in full. Jesus has paid for your sins. Turn to him, put your trust trust in him. Don't keep him at an arm's distance and follow him. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.